Hello and welcome into another episode of the CG Business Advisor Podcast brought to you by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. I'm your host, Scott Seidenberg, and I hope you've enjoyed our podcast series so far. We talked about the tax implications of the CARES Act, business development in a pandemic, and most recently, returning to the workplace. And today's episode has to deal with a very important issue that involves businesses of all sizes, and that's cybersecurity. Let's face it, we live in a digital world, and more of our information is accessible online than ever before. So how do businesses and individuals protect themselves? My guest today is Robert McCary, Senior Principal, Security Risk Management at Verizon. Robert is a certified information systems security professional and a certified information security manager with over 40 years of experience in information and cybersecurity. He previously held a position as Executive Director of Verizon Telecom and Director of Corporate Technology at Payne Weber, now UBS. Robert is also a board member for the Rutgers Cybersecurity Certification Program. Bob, thanks so much for joining us here. Thank you for having me. It's a great opportunity to talk about what I'm passionate about. Well, let's face it. We live in a virtual world, and it seems like more of our information is available online now than ever before. So cybersecurity has to be a major concern for businesses today. It absolutely is. And, you know, companies and uh, people alike are getting more aware because uh, it's basically shared on uh, news newscasts all the time. The next company uh, that's getting hacked. And uh, it's been, been the concern of many uh, an employee and boardroom uh, directors alike. What has changed specifically, though, over the years that makes security much more essential now than it was? Well, I think there's a number of dynamics that happened over the last decade or so that really brings in almost like the perfect storm. Uh, and, you know, you know, years ago, if you look at security years ago, uh, it, it had its focus in a very different place. So, you know, t- traditionally, it would have like, uh, you know, a college student or, uh, you know, folks that were interested in hacking to uh, really go, go out after companies for notoriety. So they would say, you know, I, I, you know, I was able to get into this company and, you know, steal some of their research, you know, and they would make the news and be comfortable with that. It's a very different environment right now. Uh, I mean, one of the things that are different is really they monetize hackers uh, to really make this a very, very profitable business. One example is in 2019, uh, a cybercrime uh, report was put out by Accenture and estimates that companies over the next five years globally will lose $5.2 trillion to cybercrime. That's more than many of the GDPs of uh, some of the largest enterprises in the, in the world. Do those trends concern you with the way that things are going? They absolutely do, because the, I think the attitudes of even the most serious security practitioners have changed. Years ago, it was like, how can I completely prevent and establish 100% security in my company? And now, more realistically, it's like, how can I minimize and remediate the damage should a breach occur or when a breach occurs how do, how do i know that it occurred and how quickly can i minimize the damage is the different focus of many 
uh, experienced security professionals. And what kind of attacks are we talking about here? I would assume we're going beyond the traditional malware or spyware or some of these email attacks that, that you've seen in the past. We're talking more sophisticated, right? Much more sophisticated. And part of that is because, uh, as I said, it was a, it's a monetized type of business model now. Um, you know, you have the most sophisticated hackers realizing that way they might have made the smaller percentage in the past, they can sell their wares on what we call the dark web, a portion of the web that reads like a restaurant menu for things like rootkits or denial of service attacks, which kind of attack availability of systems, or botnets where you can actually take over companies' compromised systems and basically command and control it to do what you wish based on your malware. So there's a lot more sophistication and complexity. Uh, and where there was only a handful of those hackers in the past that could do that, now they've exploited that to a much larger audience by selling it on uh, the web for uh, a high profit. Now, one of the most uh, notable hacks recently, especially in the public eye, was the Sony hack, right? We all heard about all the movie scripts being released and the emails, and, and it threw Hollywood up in a storm, that Sony hack. What could they have done to mitigate that? I think part of the problem with not just Sony, but some of the other companies like Target or Experience, Experian as an example, a company whose who's sole business model is to protect uh, the privacy and data of other, uh, the other companies, are the time to discover attacks. And that's for a variety of reasons, independently on each company. What is their model of, mo of, of continuous monitoring in their environment? How do they know they've been breached? Are they really actively uh, you know, looking at it? Do they have the right resources and mechanisms to discover quickly? Uh, I think in the target attack, as an example, uh, it, it was almost up to a year before they, when they, when they audit trailed back that they discovered they were attacked. So if you don't know, you're not taking uh, quick measurable steps to, uh, you know, to limit the damage. And I think that's, you know, part of the problem with, with these kind of, uh, with, with, the, with these companies' approaches to what I call patch quilt security. And I don't mean that, you know, <clears throat> uh, facetiously, I basically say patch quilt security is it evolved to where you're putting, you know, security controls in place in various tools and various technologies, but not looking at security uh, as a comprehensive program. You're looking at it as an afterthought to kind of protect the business to the best of your ability. And that's been a failed measure that companies are starting to realize. You mentioned a company like Experian, specifically for those companies that deal with financial information. What's the most important thing for them to do to kind of alleviate the concerns of their clients whose financial information is saved online. Right. Well, one of the things is, as experience tried to do after the fact, is to be totally transparent with where their weaknesses and vulnerabilities were once they found. Now, that's an afterthought. You want to do that earlier. So that's number one. But number two is to really understand the nature of the data. So experience, experience sorry, uh, you know, deals with very sensitive data. So the classification if they had a classification schema, would be highly sensitive in that area where they're housing that data. And therefore, all of the toughest controls and security controls and resources would be dedicated to that portion of the business 
rather than just, okay, I'm going to put security, uh, you know, across the board, uh, because data isn't equal across the board. Public knowledge data is public knowledge data, and sensitive data and my privacy and your privacy is much more highly restrictive and should should be treated as such based on the security controls I put around that type of data. What's the best piece of advice you would give businesses, regardless of size, small business, big business, whatever, the best advice you would give to make sure that they are handling their cybersecurity properly? Well, I think the very first step when a company is looking at changing, evolving, or really strengthening their security posture is to kind of take a step back and look at the word security itself. It's not a singular word. It's kind of an umbrella term that encompasses more than just putting a number of security controls on your servers or your PCs or your perimeter uh, that have to take place to really get serious and engaging with everyone in your company. Because security isn't just the two, let's say, security IT specialists that you hire that happen to know a number of the terms. It is everyone's job. And unless you engage a culture from the top down, from the senior management on down, to employ that culture within the company to be security conscious and provide the necessary training and awareness, then I think that there's many opportunities for hackers to exploit a weakened model like that. Are any companies or types of businesses more vulnerable than others? Well, I mean, when you look at your financial institutions, right, 95 or more a percentage of their transactions are done online. So, of course, it's much, it's a much more dangerous and nefarious environment. So they have to secure and safeguard, uh, you know, uh, a little greater because uh, everything across that medium is, is sensitive to their customers. But uh, that said, you know, each of the companies in their own right, in their own industries, have what they consider their crown jewels, things that you cannot lose, whether it's data or system availability, uh, to provide their customers the service that they uh, expect. And more importantly, not just monetarily, but the reputation that gets tarnished when a breach occurs in this company has to go public with it. Bob, let's take it to a more local level now. With everyone working remotely uh, as we deal with all the COVID implications on the workplace, uh, what are some of the threats and concerns and maybe uh, tips that people can use to protect themselves as they do connect remotely to their to their businesses? So, so great question, Scott. So one of the things that are is different in the remote work worker space we all find ourselves in uh, due to COVID-19 is the fact that what used to be a secure environment, perhaps in the office, where standard policies and security protections were commonplace, are now extended to each individual employee's home with a different set of configurations, with a different set of technologies, and a different level of security protections or non-protections as the case may be. So this brings on a variety of uh, issues based on now the security of my home environment and infrastructure and what's around me even if someone was to drive by my home and capture some of that data, should I not be protected at all? So this, this is a larger problem and it looks like remote work is here to stay for a while so it's important that companies understand that and also basically try to put some 
common practices and policies around a very uncommon environment on, in each employee's home. Is there like certain products or, or firewalls that companies can can use that can help with connecting remotely, whether it's a remote desktop or whether it's just connecting to their internal servers that could protect them against just anybody logging in or anybody getting some sort of access, you know, unwanted access? Well, there's definitely tips that can be commonly used, and many, many of the products that are out there employ a lot of these. So for one, uh, all of the users should really require, if you're connecting to the, the company from your home, to connect through a VPN, a virtual private network. A virtual private network allows the user to actually create a very secure tunnel between their PC to the company's uh, you know, server or connection point, their gateway. And in that tunnel, is, it's going across a very insecure internet, but it's secured in the sense that it utilizes protocols that encrypt the data so it's not easily uh, uh, attacked or pulled uh, from a man in the middle attack as an example and interpreted. So that's a very secure way of at least connecting to start, uh, which, which I would highly advise. I would also advise that when you get to the gateway in the company that they enforce you to use multi-factor authentication. Now, what is that? So rather than just say, I'm going to use an ID and a password to really employ a multi-layer of authentication such as your ID, your password, and perhaps a hard or soft token that constantly changes and matches from your PC to the gateway that's controlling that token. So they really authenticate it's the user that is intending to come in because I could share, which I won't, but I could share my ID and password with many people or I can have it on a sheet that someone sees and it doesn't give the, you know, the, the real, uh, you know, protections from an access point of view to get into my company. So that's really another uh, you know, point that I would definitely would want to want to see. Yeah, um, that's run important. software updates. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean run software updates regularly, right? Yeah. So that that's key, right? Lots of times vulnerabilities attack those folks whose software is aged and vulnerabilities can be protected by the updates that come out. I mean, that's why you see companies like just if you in your phone, you know, Apple is coming out, just recently came out with uh, version 14 and then right after that found a bug and came out with 14.1. So it's important to, it's important to be able to stay current on all your software updates to avoid those bugs that can be uh, prevented by just merely staying, uh, you know, up upgraded with your software. Um, and then I think really important, and this is really this simple, you know, is change your router password. Many people buy a, buy a router, they use the default password that's on the boilerplate, uh, and that's a default password that's available to many, hmm. and they don't use the right encryption mechanism. You know, so you, they really need to change that to something that you know, and that has a complexity to it. No, you know, not password one, <laughs> right, as an example, but something more complex that utilizes, you know, uh, upper and lowercase characters, special characters, and at least like eight characters long. And more importantly, have the company require rotation of your password at a period that's reasonable, let's say 90 days, 60 days, whatever you think based on the sensitivity of what you're trying to protect, right? And then uh, also your browser settings. Um, so 
when we use the browser, whatever we're using, whether we're using Google Chrome or Safari or what have you, um, it, it allows, just by default, very light uh, security settings to download software automatically or without um, acceptance. And a very simple setting to protect that from happening is securing all downloads. So if a download tries to occur, I just got one the other day on my Mac that said BitTorrent wants to download on your PC. Well, that's not healthy. So I disallowed it. And the next application that I expected asked for a download and I allowed it. So the point is you would have to take an action before automatic updates get downloaded from just a simple tweak on your browser settings. So these standards are something, regardless of the differences in the technology that every home user might employ, can be implemented to standardize when you're uh, across the company so that they're using something of a common nature and they have a sense that they have a common flavor of security across all of their employees. What about, uh, I'm sure you've seen the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, where it, it yeah. came out recently, it talked about all the issues involving social media and how your information is processed. What about uh, companies that, that do a lot of social media like that, and how do they ensure that privacy issues are properly addressed when, frankly, a lot of these social media platforms are making their, your information readily available? I think it has to do with the actual model that they employ for protections over that and allow or disallow through their technologies the type of data that is going to be, you know, exploited or shown. And they have to make some pretty hard decisions, not to suppress the information, but to protect the privacy of that information. And one of the biggest uh, problems, at least for security practitioners today, is social media uh, is just an open basket of information gathering. I don't uh, want to tell you how many times I'll look at uh, some of the social media platforms and see them just seemingly have an innocuous question like, hey, where's everybody live? Or, what, <laughs> or what's your latest phone number? You know, and it's just like a friendly hello, but you're gathering information systematically and slowly that can be used against you, uh, you know, down the road. So I think... Some of these companies uh, have to take a serious approach and not suppressing, but, but protecting that type of data, that type of sensitive information from going outwards. And the problem is it's somewhat, to your point, against their business model of socializing with everyone. You know, it's an interesting uh, aspect about all of this is there are companies that, as we you know, reference social media, there are companies that do rely on information gathering, whether it's uh, certain types of forms that are filled out online, registrations, these companies really build up their clientele base or their their contact base off of information that is user submitted. And that information can be something that's a target of, uh, of attacks, just getting somebody's contact list, their email list. Absolutely. And it very, very much is. And if you look at companies like, well, you look at the telecom industry, we have uh, more information on customer data, customer information exchanges, and that type of data is, is, is crucial to really surround and protect. And we have not, not only technology rules in place, but we also have governing rules for call centers 
where people call in as an example and say, oh, I'm so-and-so's uncle and I need to have this information sent to me on their phone number and the last time they made a call to, you know, Aunt Betty or what have you. Mm -hmm. And all of that is totally sensitive data that is forbidden to go out unless you were the actual owner of that data. And a matter of fact, a lot of states, uh, California being the first, are coming out with very strict privacy rules. CCPA is one of the ones uh, developed by California, and there's one coming out in Maine that basically puts strict res uh, restrictions on user data being exchanged. So they provide the user the ability to opt out and more importantly, understand how every industry is using their personal information to their satisfaction to the point where they can require and demand deletion of that information. So it's getting much uh, <clears throat> more restrictive to protect the privacy of others. In Europe, they did it uh, more on a federal, across, across the whole EU, uh, in the terms of GDPR, and that's a privacy rule that has serious consequences. A company that doesn't follow that, and you don't have to be in Europe, you just have to have customers exchanging information to or from, uh, could face fines up to 20% of their GDP. That's astronomical. That's, so that's how serious yeah, that's I think we're getting with privacy. Yep. Is there any online resources that you can direct some people to go towards if they have uh, any questions or want just some more education about their own cybersecurity? Absolutely. I mean, based on what they want to find out, there's a wealth of resources. But I would start them on uh, a government site, www.nist.com. Now, NIST is an agency owned by the Department of Commerce. And their sole purpose was to write a set of standards and guidelines that act as frameworks, or at least in some cases, starting points for small or medium-sized companies that want to really start building policies around uh, their company that everyone in their company follow. And it's a good guideline. Uh, so for instance, if they wanted to do something more specific to um, you know, the internet or uh, you know, web-enabled type of security as, as just a segment, there's an OWASP, O-W-A-S-P, set of rules that they can follow. If they were doing cloud computing and didn't know where to start or didn't know what to ask in terms of, you know, what should I tell, what should I ask my vendor to ensure that they're protecting my data, my information, my systems to the best of their ability, there's also guidelines and frameworks for that. So I would start them there. And then within the NIST framework are also suggestive sites to continue that education for the segment or sections of security that you're interested in. This is all great information, Bob, and important information uh, for businesses and customers as well, um, because cybersecurity is a serious threat. And as we gravitate more towards being in our virtual environment, uh, it, it the risks are only going to grow. So I do appreciate you coming on and giving us the information. And, and really, thank you so much for educating us. My pleasure. Now, I will just say one thing, that this is just the tip of the iceberg. Each one of these subjects that we touched on can really be explored and actually taken into a number of levels of in-depth of interest. So, uh, you know, if there is an interest out there, there are educational areas. And as a matter of fact, uh, Rutgers, who I'm on the board for, ha gives a great cert certification program to really give you a holistic view 
of uh, cybersecurity and security at laws and how it tat- attaches to your business model. Great stuff, so Bob. I appreciate the opportunity. Some really valuable information there from Robert McCarry, again, Senior Principal Security Risk Management at Verizon. He gave some great resource information if you want to check that out on the web and also really great information about remote workers, which is our new reality these days. As always, you can head to cgteam.com where CG's team of advisors can help guide you through any of your business-related issues. And, of course, you can check them out for tax concerns as well. CG Tax Audit and Advisors are available at cgteam.com. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the CG Business Advisor wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you on our next episode coming out the 15th of October. Until then, take care.